I don't know what you're going through today, but Jesus is intimately acquainted with all of your ways. In the book of James, we're told that when we suffer, we are to pray. And when we are sick, we're told to get others to pray for us. I want you to know that I am praying for you today. I am your friend, Bible teacher and author, Carol McLeod, and I love digging into the Word of God with you on a jolt of joy on the Charisma Podcast Network. James chapter 5, verse 12 is an interesting verse. Let's read it. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Isn't that an interesting verse? Why would James include this thought in his grand finale? I was going to skip over this verse in honor of time until I read the phrase, but above all, and then I realized James didn't come up with this on his own. He was quoting his brother Jesus. And there's some real rich meat for us in James chapter 5, verse 12. Because you know what? It's always good to quote Jesus on everything, isn't it? Let me read you the words of Jesus, the big brother of James, found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 34 through 37. I tell you, Don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, because it is God's throne, or by the earth, because it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. Neither should you swear by your head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black, but let your word yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything more than this is from the evil one." If you'll remember, and I think you do, James dealt with our tongues quite effectively back in chapter 3, but he can't hold back from making one final reminder concerning our tongues that is backed up by the words of his brother, the Son of God. James is saying, don't swear. Don't swear by your mother's grave or by anything else. Be a man or a woman of your word. If you say yes, then follow through and do it. If you say you're going to do something, then be faithful. Use the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life called faithfulness and follow through and do it. Don't make excuses. Don't whip out. Be a man or a woman of your word. If you start something, then finish it. That is godliness at its finest and at its hardest. Both Jesus and James are talking about personal oaths. This is the issue that they're addressing both in Matthew 5 and in James 5, because legal oaths are not forbidden in court proceedings or to be faithful at the wedding altar. That's one place where you should take an oath. But James and Jesus are telling us, leave the phrase, I swear by God, out of your daily vocabulary. If you say anything more than yes or no, according to Jesus, it's from the evil one. Satan loves to get the children of God to make a vow and then convince them that they cannot keep it. Satan loves it when the children of God are seen 
as not being faithful, as not being true to the word. Because you know what this is? This is lying. And Satan, our enemy, is the father of all lies. Satan loves to assist you, to get you to promise too much, and then make it too difficult for you to follow through. But be a man or a woman of your word. If you say you're going to do it, do it. Yes is enough, and so is no. Matthew 5, 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. I love the simplicity and the power found in these questions and in these answers. Is any among you suffering? Did you raise your hand? Did you say that's me? Your solution is to pray. James says to pray to take it to God. You know, James doesn't say to talk about your problems. James doesn't say to rehearse your issues. James doesn't say to make sure that everybody in your sphere of influence knows what you're going through. James doesn't say to post it on Facebook or to tweet about it. James doesn't say to send out an email blast about it. James simply says to pray. I have come to realize that if I talk to God half as much as I talk to people about what I was going through, that I might hear God's answers and his solutions for my suffering. I might receive God's comfort and his strength for what I am going through in my life. One thing that I've realized is that people use their problems and their troubles as a way of attracting attention to self to putting themselves front and center on everybody's mind and everybody's agenda. But prayer places the attention on God. Now, I want to tell you about this word suffering that we see in James 5.13. It's a big word in the Greek, and yet it's very specific in what it describes. This is the description of the word suffering in the Greek. A person who is intensely suffering, perhaps physically, but definitely mentally, due to the evil events that have occurred in one's life. So suffering can be a physical affliction, but it can be other things as well. And and this kind of suffering that's being described there is so great is the suffering or pain that it takes over your mindset. It's all you think about. It's all you rehearse. And James is saying to quit talking about it and to start praying about it, to stop thinking about it, and to start praying about it. James is saying strengthen yourself. Stop crying about it and start praying about it. Tie yourself to the Lord. Get a Bible verse, pray it, quote it, declare it, memorize it. Prayer is a face-to-face act with God, isn't it? It brings you into close contact with him. It brings you into an intimacy with him. It brings you into a friendship with him. You know, I love coffee dates with my friends. Do you? There's nothing I love more than going out to breakfast or going out to lunch with a friend because it brings us into face-to-face contact. We're not just texting. We're not just commenting on each other's posts on Facebook, but we're spending time together. And that's what God wants you to do with him. 
Prayer is having coffee with Jesus. Prayer is injecting the power of heaven into your life circumstances. Prayer is bringing you in to his presence. Prayer is God's idea. The reason God wants you to make a prayer date with him is because it brings you into his presence, to a place where you can enjoy intimate and close relationship with him. So when you're suffering, don't wait. Get into this place of closeness quickly with God and know in this place that he is enough that he's got the greater grace for you. Know that he is more than enough to see you through. Know from the life of Job that you serve the Lord who is full of compassion and is merciful. Quiet your heart in his presence if you're suffering today. Quiet your heart and your mind and your mouth. Everything that you need is found in him in this place of prayer. You know, I love the joy in the end of James 5.13. He starts out by talking about, is anyone among you suffering? It's taken over your life. It's all you can think about. Pray about it. And then he ends this verse, or he ends this thought with, is anyone cheerful? Really? James goes from suffering to cheerful in four words or less, that's because prayer changes you. Prayer changes who you are on the inside. James says, is anyone cheerful? That's me. What should I do when I'm cheerful, James? He is to sing praises. It's amazing. This verse, this part of this verse is so amazing to me. James is saying, if you're in a good place, if your life isn't falling apart, if everything's going well, sing praises. Now, this thought process is amazing to me for two different reasons. And let me tell you why. First of all, it's one of the few times in the New Testament when worship is connected with happiness and with cheer. Generally, when worship is commanded in the New Testament, it's when we're going through a very difficult time. But in this verse, James is acting like a psalmist, and he's saying, when life is good, start singing, break out in song. The second reason it's amazing is because I'd like to be able to respond to James, well, James, what else in the world would I do when I'm overflowing? You know, unfortunately, not everyone knows to sing praises when life is good. They celebrate in other ways. And James is saying, let your joy out by singing praises to God. We have an open invitation to celebrate every life experience with God. It's called worship. Do it well and do it often. Don't hold back. I'd like to apply this to family life. When somebody gets an A in your household, sure, take them to Chuck E. Cheese, give them a $10 bill, but then go home and sing together. Thank God for that A. When somebody in your family wins a big ball game, listen, go out for ice cream, call the grandparents. But on the way home, put on worship music and sing. Make it part of the fabric of your family that every time God blesses one of you, you're a family who spends time in worship. 
Choose a family worship song that's yours and yours alone and sing it loudly. If you do this when your children are little, they'll expect it and love it as they grow older. Thank you for joining me on A Jolt of Joy. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can also visit my website at justjoyministries.com. It's my passion to help people live an abundant life through the power and principles found only in the Word of God. Email me at carol at justjoyministries.com. And as always, know that I am praying for you today.